We got a lot of kiddos, and and I got to give Josh a little bit of a hard time. Bye. <laughs> that uh, this morning he prayed that Pastor Luke would be filled, and <laughs> and it's like, oh wait, what about no? The truth is, it doesn't matter who's up here. We're praying for a filling here, and yes, whether it's Pastor Luke or myself. I don't know if my eyeballs is like, there's a lot of bright light right now, and I can't see you guys. Well, Pastor Luke and Molly are celebrating their 20th anniversary down in Tennessee, and saw a little video. Jenny had a video. They were out drinking their coffee, and there was a bear walking by, and so we're praying the Lord keeps them safe, and uh, we're going to have a moment here where we celebrate communion, we're it is, the message is all about communion, and uh, what a precious treat that we get to partake together. Uh, with that being said, as the church, as the body, uh, there are some folks that we need to lift up after we read our Matthew passage. We need to pray for the Bewley family. Mary um, said good, see you later to her son Doug this week, and also uh, the Young family lifting them up in prayer, John Young, and uh, then um, Vivian, uh, Bob went to be with the Lord this week, and uh, Joe Kernan is in hospice, so we need to lift all these families up as uh, we remember them, and they're hurting, and they're grieving at this time, but here's the thing, we remember that, and know that, but as we partake in communion, we know that this isn't the end. There's more, and we have a promise through Jesus Christ for eternal life. So uh, let's stand. We'll read God's word, and then we'll pray for all the above here. And I'm in Matthew 26, 26 through 30. And the other scriptures that you see in your bulletin, we'll head there later. But 26, Matthew 26 says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink it again of the fruit of the vine until the day I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we can bow our hearts before you. Lord, we ask that you help us to hear your word. And Lord, as a body of believers, when one is hurting, we're all hurting. So we lift up the Buleys and the Youngs and uh, Vivian and her family to you and also uh, the Kernans. Uh, Lord, we know that you're near to them, and we ask that your salvation message be preached, that they would know there's a hope of another day, and that we could all rest in that hope. Father, bless our pastor and his wife, Pastor Molly, and help them to find you their true rest, and bring them back to us safely, Lord. And, and Lord, when it comes to communion, speak to our hearts. Draw us out into your love and into your goodness, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
<laughs> Not now, Michael. I'll let you know. All right, buddy? He's all fired up over there. He wants to partake. And I do too. I think when it comes to communion, we have to understand that this is the most blessed, wonderful thing that we get to partake of. And I'm hoping at the end of this, you will agree, like, this is an amazing ordinance of the church. And what I mean by ordinance is it is a command. Christ says, do this, right? Do this. And in our belief as a Baptists, we believe in two ordinances, okay? Two, one ordinance, Pastor Luke already preached about, it's baptism, and that is one ordinance where Christ says, do this, be baptized. And the other ordinance is communion or the Lord's Supper. Uh, some call it the Eucharist, which simply means the thankful meal. Uh, now, I won't get into transubstantiation and all the different things that others believe, because I don't want to muddy the water for you. If you know that, you know it. If you don't, don't worry about it. This is our focus today. This command that we do in Christ, communion, Lord's Supper, is an outward symbol. The outward symbol is the bread and the juice, but it's an inward covenant, okay? The baptism that we celebrate is an outward sign to everybody that God has done a salvation work on the inside. So that one's outward is to all. And just think about this one is individual, personal. The outward sign of this one is the grape and the, the grape juice and the bread that represents. It's a symbol. Christ's blood in his body. And Pastor Luke does a good job of telling us is which part is greater, the symbol or the thing in which it represents? The symbol? You guys? Okay, here we go. All right, we need, Michael, you're going to have to help everybody else out with me, buddy. All right, which is greater, the symbol or the thing it represents? Which is greater? Okay, there we go. We're on the same page now. Now, last week, uh, the pastor that was here, Rick Magoo, he did a great job of showing us shadows and types of Jesus in the Old Testament. I'm not going to try and revamp what he did here. I, I simply want to say that Exodus 12, if you're keeping what you want to go and study about communion, it starts at Passover. How many of you know that? When Jesus was celebrating with his disciples and instituted the Lord's Supper, right? What really was happening is they were celebrating the Seder meal or Passover. And Exodus chapter 12 is all about the Passover and what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get the lamb at day 10. You're supposed to take it into your house for three days. You probably name it, your kids name it. And then after four days, after inspecting it, there's no blemish, no spot, no wrinkle. You're to take it out back get a basin and get it the blood in the basin, and I hope I don't have to explain how you do that, but you take that blood, and then you take it to the doorpost of your house, you put it over, and that was when the death angel came by to take the firstborn. When he saw that blood, he would pass over that house. You got me? Okay. So, I, Michael, I'm competing with you, buddy. You're going to have to go downstairs. All right? I can't compete with you. All right, so, coming back. Exodus chapter 12. 
this is where it's rooted. Jesus is celebrating this, but he changes it. He doesn't just change it. He says this is his body. And he broke it and took it to give it to them to take and eat. You can imagine these guys knew the Passover. They were told by God to celebrate every year. And Jesus says, what? And then he says, this is the blood of the new covenant. Take and drink all of you. And they did. Now, with that being said, the blood and the new covenant is what we need to talk about. And if you don't know, every covenant, and there's many in the Bible, but every covenant was sealed with blood. All right? Abe, let's start with Adam. Rick brought this up last week. Adam and Eve, they sinned. God then made them clothing of animal skins. Right? This is, I said this at eight, nobody gets it, but it's the first leather jacket is in the Bible. You got me? This is, so animal skins, but what did you have to do to get the skin? You got to sacrifice it. There's got to be some bloodshed in order to have that animal skin. So God was showing them blood's important. And then God told them to be fruitful and multiply. And then you get to Noah. How many, and the kids that are here are adults even, how many animals did Noah take on the ship? Two of every kind. You're right. And then somebody at 8 o'clock said, all of them. I'm like, he nailed it. But Noah, it says that Noah took seven of every clean animal, the ones that are to be sacrificed. And when Noah landed on the mountain, he took the clean ones, because if he only took two, they gone, right? I mean, so he took seven, and when he gets to the mountain, he sacrifices, and God gives him an outward sign of the covenant, which is a rainbow. Yep, God's promised that he'll never do that again. And so there's a blood, there's a covenant happening there. Then you get to Abraham, his outward sign of that covenant is circumcision, that he was to go home and circumcise his whole household. We won't go there, but that was the outward sign of the covenant. And then God said, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you as many as the stars and the sands. And Abraham, you know what he says? He's sonless, doesn't have any kids. You know what he says? How will I know? Once you ask the same thing, God's like giving you a promise. Well, how do I know that promise is true? And right away, God says to Abraham, go get a, anybody know this one? Go get a heifer. What? What do you mean? God, you want a cow? I'm asking you to seal the promise. Abraham didn't ask God, like, why? Why do you want a cow? You want some you know, beef, you want some steak, you want some Mike jerky? I don't know, I do. But no, Abraham knew God's about to go into a blood covenant. We're about to have a sacrifice right here. And so he goes and gets, he gets a cow, he gets a ram, he gets a turtle dove, and he slices them open. He does what God says, and God comes down and walks through them in a fire and burning pot to seal the covenant. God seals it on his own name that he was going to make him great. So we see this covenant with Abraham. 
Again, with Israel, keep going, Israel, once they're out of Egypt, God gives them the Ten Commandments, and he says, are you my people? Yes, they respond, we're your people. Moses says, are you going to obey everything in God's law? And they say, yes, we're going to make a covenant, we're going to obey everything. And Moses takes the blood from the basin and sprinkles the people. Every time, just about every time, a covenant's made, blood is shed. Now, with David, there was just the promise on God's own name that he was going to have a descendant sit on his throne forever. But just a study of the covenants, we see there's blood. We see that God is instituting covenants and blood. Everybody with me? Okay. I feel like I don't want you dozing off here. All right. Blood is precious. In fact, there was one other celebration. Israel had the Day of Atonement. And on that day, it was once a year. On that day, the priest would first sacrifice for himself so he could be clean just to even go into the Holy of Holies. Then he had to have blood on his right ear lobe, his right toe, his right thumb, washed, purified, take the basin into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle that on the mercy seat. Okay. This is what they did in the Old Testament. Most of you know that that was a type and a shadow, meaning that has been done away with because Christ took his own blood, walked into the mercy seat in heaven, and poured out his own blood right there in God's throne room on his mercy seat. He's our high priest. How many of you know that that's what he did? Okay. Leviticus 17 and 11 tells us that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And if any nurses are here, they know God's word is true. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And it says that God has given it to us to make atonement on the altar for our souls. The reason we even have blood is simply to have atonement. For one life to be given for another. This is also on the day of atonement, the scapegoat. Right? So I'm not trying to re-preach the message. I'm trying to give you the history of when Jesus comes to celebrating salvation from Egypt, running out of Egypt with unleavened bread, shoes ready, lamb blood on the doorpost. They had their coats on, their staffs ready, because God says, as soon as this happened, I'm killing the firstborn in Egypt, and they're going to send you out, like, get gone. And sure enough, there was great wailing that it says that Israel plundered Egypt, but it wasn't like they were stealing anything from them. As soon as their firstborn was dead and they all saw it, they were just like, here, take our gold. Take, get out of here. Go worship your God. We're going to be in mourning. You take everything we have. Whoever this God is, get out of here. And it says over 600,000 just men left. That's just men. Quite an exodus, isn't it? And they all were plundered and took gifts. So 
I, I just need to stop here and warn you. If I get excited and I start yelling, it's not because I'm angry, okay? I don't want you to think, like, he's an angry pastor. I'm like, no, I'm excited and passionate, and then it comes out in a boom, and then you, my kids are like, why do you yell when you're up there? I'm like, because they're not doing their dishes. No. <laughs> so if I get excited, just, uh, you know, bring earplugs. Okay. Let's go to Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. This is a promise, prophecy of both the new covenant and what God will do in the new covenant. Jeremiah 31, verse 31 through 34. I'm going to read it to you. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This prophecy is played out when Jesus breaks in and starts the Lord's Supper, the communion. This is the new covenant. This is the one that God promised. This is the one where he's going to take his law. He's going to write it on our hearts. He's going to put it on our minds. It's a transformation of men on the inside and he's going to remember our sins no more. I'm thankful for that. And to move on to the next scripture, I'm going to read that one too. Another prophecy, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 28. This is God prophesying again what he will do. He says... I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. We grasp that this new covenant sealed with God's own blood, his body and his blood, this new covenant is our hearts are removed from being hard hearts of stone to ease hearts of flesh, we get a new spirit in us, we get God's spirit, and he remembers our sins no more. Anybody happy about that one? I don't know if I can always take it in, what really, having God's spirit 
just being called his people? What love the fathers bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. That we get to partake of his divine nature. We who are sinners, who need cleansed, who need washed, who needs idols removed and stumbling blocks removed. Communion becomes the outward sign, the bread and the juice, of this inward covenant. Now, this inward covenant is sealed by God. It's given a guarantee. How many of you like to get things with guarantees? Yeah, Ephesians 1 tells us that the Holy Spirit is not only our seal, he's our guarantee of that covenant, of that promise that we're forgiven. Now, I'm going to move to Ephesians 1, if you want to turn there. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. And I have to, I don't know about you, but I have to see this. So we're going to come to what the Bible tells us. In Ephesians 1, it says that that Holy Spirit is the guarantee, that Holy Spirit is our inheritance, and this is what else it says. And maybe you just write it down and look it up. 1 Peter chapter 19, or 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. It also says it in Revelation chapter 3, okay? And this is what it says. That before the foundation of the world began, before time, before existence, before Genesis 1-1, are you with me? Christ was slain. That God and Jesus were in eternity kicking it. And they said, hey, let's make man in our image. Yeah, well, you know, once we make them in our image and we give them that choice, it's not good. Yeah, we know it's not good. What's the plan? I'll go down. I'll rescue them. Revelation says, before the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God who was slain before it even all began... In God's mind and in Jesus' mind, this has been the plan of redemption the whole time, and we get to figure it all out. And there's a fellowship here. How many of you know there's a fellowship? There is such a sweet fellowship that even when Jesus was on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The fellowship was never broken until he redeemed us. Because he who knew no sin became sin for us. That we get to become the righteousness of God in this union. This holy, beautiful union between the Father and the Son. What love he's bestowed on us. In fact, Jesus in John 17 verse 28 he says, Father, we are one. Make them one just like we are one. And let the love that we share together be in them. 
We get to break in on a holy fellowship, a holy love that is perfect and pure. And they're praying, Lord, let's bring them all in so that love can overtake our people. And they would be called our people. And they would say that you are our God. You see, when we come to the table to fellowship, this is the outward sign. This bread and this juice is the outward sign of what happens right here. This is communion. And I only get to partake by for what Christ has done. I get to sit down between their fellowship. The great love that they have between each other is now in me, and the only way it's in me. Through the Spirit. That's in me. This is our inward communion. And me, who's so far off and unholy and unclean, he bids me to come to the table. And he said he's provided it all through Jesus Christ. There's no more sacrifice. His blood and his body was poured out so that anyone who believes can sit in this sweet fellowship between the Father and the Son. And I don't know about you, but when I sit there, I realize this is not my place. But what love He's bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. What precious blood has been spilled that I'm over here and I'm rescued not with money, not with gold, not with silver, not with anything in this world. I'm rescued by the precious blood of Christ Jesus. And He calls me His Son. And He says to all, and bids them all, Come, Jesus has come so close to men that he says, sit. And I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And we get a fellowship with a holy God who shouldn't even be anywhere near a sinner. But he made a covenant and a promise and sealed it with his own blood that he would wash us. He would remember our sins no more. He would forgive us of our iniquities. He would make us clean. He would wash us without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle, without shame, without guilt. We can come to this table and we can partake and miss all of communion. We can come and be a part of juice and bread do you know that you have the seal, the promise Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus Christ that is shed for the forgiveness of sins? Here's the next part. He takes communion, the bread and the blood, and he puts a warning on it. 
Paul tells us in Corinthians 11, be careful because as you take these outward signs, it's representing this that you're involved in. And if you're involved in this, there's an expectation when I come to the table that I've examined my heart and I said, Lord, search me and find if there's any unclean way in me. Wash me, purify me whiter than snow. Cleanse me. And Jesus, he tells us, wash your hands, O sinners. Be purified. Don't even come to this table without knowing you're sitting here. Because there's a dangerous part sitting here. And he warns us in the meal that some have gotten sick. Some have even died. Why? Because they profane the blood of Jesus Christ. Judas. And I know there's a little bit of Judas in me. He betrayed Jesus. He sat at the table. You know what he partook of? The blood of that new covenant. Luke tells us in the gospel that Judas was sitting there with his hand on the table after they partook of the Lord's Supper. And Jesus says, the one whose hand's on the table with me is the one who betrays me. And he went out and committed suicide because he didn't know he sat here. And he profaned the blood of the Savior. Hebrews 10.28 says, By two witnesses, when you set aside the law of Moses, two witnesses could come to your house and you could be stoned. It says, How much more will you get if you profane the blood of Jesus Christ? And you profane this precious blood and then the Holy Spirit of grace you've angered. And we don't even know we're sitting in that communion, much less that there's a danger of even partaking in bread and blood. Bread and juice. It represents his blood. See, this is where I get fired up and not knowing that this love between the Father and Son is for every single heart. How dare I sit here in fellowship with the Father and the Son and have any unforgiveness towards anyone? He's forgiven me of such much more, 10,000 upon millions upon thousands of sins, and then somebody offends me, you don't have a mask on. You're not this, you're not that. Stop drawing lines in the sand of this world and sit down in fellowship. Those without Jesus are condemned already, but those with him, we have no condemnation. This whole world will try and convince you that you're not in a relationship with him, but you are. There's an expectation when we sit here. God calls it something. He calls it a, a peculiar people. I can barely say peculiar We'll go back to what Ezekiel and Jeremiah says. God will call us his, and we will call him ours. There's a precious union sitting here in communion. And you know what peculiar means? Private property. That we should be separated from the world and sitting down in communion with the holy God and going out and telling the world, you can sit down, there's freedom in Christ. 
There's no more other blood. There's no more other sacrifice coming. This is it. There's no other way to the Father. There's no other way into the kingdom. We should be separated. We should be holy. When we sit here, he starts to transform that heart. We're not worthy, but we come to him and we say, Father, forgive me. I have sinned. I confess. You saw everything in there. And he says he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We get to sit down again. (laughs) Amen, brother, because you know what? I constantly keep getting up. So not only should we be peculiar, private property, and I don't know if we get the private property, but we're his. We're his whether we know it or not. But he purchased us. He redeemed us with a price, and that price was his blood. To share a story, I've shared this before, but I had an issue with my internet at home. I'm breaking away to try and just seal something for you. I got a new router and the internet provider, and I've I've shared this story, but it's good for illustration. And when I got this new router, it had a feature that I could ping to see how fast my internet was. And the big advertisement was, you know, extreme internet, and I could get thousands, you know, anyway, it was hundreds. But, so when I pinged it, and I'm expecting to see a hundred up there, do you know how much I got? It was six. I'm like, what the heck? So that's not right. So I called my provider. I said, hey, you know, I got this cool new router, and uh, it pinged my internet. I'm supposed to be getting 100, and I'm getting 6. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, when did you ping it? I was like, oh, four days ago. All right, we'll give you credit for four days. I'm like, so I've been with you six months, and since I found out this, you're going to credit me four days. And she said, yeah. We have a policy that we only go back to when you found it, and then uh, that we'll credit you that. And I said, that's funny, because I got a policy that I get what I pay for. And I've been paying for something and haven't been getting it, and that's my policy. And I said, look, I don't expect six months, but give me a month. Sir, we can only go back to four days. That's our policy. And I said, huh, I got a policy too. It says, I'm going to need a month. I'm not asking for the world. Just make it right from here out. And there was silence for like three minutes. And I, I was literally, I wasn't going to say anything. And then I said, it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, I'm making it right. I'm like, okay. And then I didn't say nothing. And I just wonder, do you guys have the same policy? Like, do you get what you pay for? Raise your hand. You go to Walmart and you get 24 rolls. Do you want to go home with two? Right? Is that, no. It's like, hey, I've got this policy. It's unwritten, but I got one. 
I could write it down real quick if you want. We're purchased. Purchased by the precious blood of the Lamb. Is God getting what he paid for? Does he get a full measure of me? Does he get a full measure of my mind and have all access passed to my heart, my desires? Does he get what he's paid for? We're in fellowship with him. Here's the thing. I could say no. He does not get what he's paid for. He deserves so much more from me. But his grace says, have a seat. Wash me again. Let me sit down. And right in here, he teaches me how to live again. And godliness. And union. And before we partake of communion, of the outward sign, take a moment in your heart and realize what you're really communing with. So Steve's going to come. Let's bow our heads. Take a moment with your own heart. The scripture says, examine your heart. See if there's anything that would keep you from fellowship. Go ahead and grab your communion cups or the gluten-free is on the table if you need one. He says, do this in remembrance of me. We get to remember that we get to partake 
of his divine nature. And it says, now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And so let's do as he did, let's before we partake or break, or if you've already done it, that's fine. But let's ask the Lord to truly help us know the body. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your holy union that we get to partake of. Jesus said that a body you have prepared, and that body broken. blood We love Jesus. And we get to call him our God. Let's stand and let's worship.